Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod. Thank you for downloading this podcast. I'm so glad that you're able to join me today. My prayer is that things are going well with you, that your family is doing well, everyone's healthy, and uh, your needs are all being met. At the time of this writing, I am at one of the least favorite places of my favorite places to visit. Apparently, it's a necessity, they tell me. But to echo my dear old dad, they just want my money. Maybe I get my dislike for doctors from them. Yes, I'm at the doctor's office as of the writing of this. And, um, you know, I'm seated there waiting for my name to be called. I said one of my least favorite places. There are three. The dentist, the doctor, and funeral homes. Let me add this. I'm not saying that the people at these places aren't friendly. Far from it. Most of them go out of their way to make us feel very comfortable. It's just the place. And what might have to be done, right? Dentist office, doctors, funerals. So how do you feel about visiting these places? I was just talking to a nurse uh, who told me her least favorite place uh, to visit was the grocery store. You know, I, I thought that was kind of humorous. But, you know, there's a lot of germs and uh, you never know who you're walking by. You might have something, you know, sickness, whatever, to spread, um, you know, Anything could happen. So I, I guess there's some merit to that. Um, so what's yours? Won't you let me know uh, by dropping me a line at truthpod at yahoo.com. I'd be interested in hearing what your least favorite place to visit is. If you can, uh, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of doing TruthPod. Um, I thank you that uh, you use TruthPod to touch people's lives. Father, it's not about me. I want it to be about Jesus. I, I want to always promote Jesus and that he is always first and foremost in these, uh, these podcasts that I do. Nothing that we would ever do, Father, would be of any worth if he's not involved in it. I pray that you would use TruthPod for your glory that your name would be exalted in doing so. Father, I thank you for those who listen to Truth Pod each week. I thank you for those who uh, download it and those who tell their friends about it. I pray, Lord, that it may always be a blessing to them. May your name be glorified in this study. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the third study of the series I've titled, The Best News Ever. My purpose in this study is to not just talk about the resurrection, as great and awesome as that was, but to talk about what the people, you know, might have felt like, uh, you know, as, as the moments led up to the resurrection, how their lives were dramatically changed after the resurrection. When I got married, my life changed drastically. Here I was, a single guy for 30 years. I was stuck in my ways. My wife has been trying to free me up ever since. But I heard it said one time, if you want to change a boy, introduce him to a girl. And man, that's true. 
He'll start combing his hair. He'll start br brushing his teeth. He'll start putting on some deodorant and wearing some clean clothes. So if you want to change a boy, introduce him to a girl. Um, I am by nature resistant to change. I like routine. When I work, I go, uh, when I work, I, I like to know, you know, exactly what I'm going to be doing that day. I like to have an idea of where I'm going in that day, you know, and what what the uh, what the plans are. Uh, I go to bed about the same time every night, unless I'm not working, you know, all day the next day or whatever. I get up every morning about the same time. I don't like that that schedule to be disrupted. I am just so you know, set my ways. Now, there are times that it, it is, um, you know, that it does get changed and, uh, you know, I have to stay up a little later than I want or get up a little earlier than I uh, would like to or my weekends, uh, you know, have to get up early, whatever. Sometimes those things happen. I'm not a big fan when they do, okay? The days of walking with Jesus in person as far as the disciples, you know, were concerned here, are over, all right? Jesus is no longer with them. Um, there is something, there is something they're trying to figure out as we read about them today. As of this time, they have no direction, no purpose, and no real hope, okay? But God is unwilling to leave them in this position. That's why we see Mary Magdalene last week get all alarmed that someone had stolen the body of Jesus. You know, she had, she, you know, um, she had went to uh, Peter and John and said the tomb is, you know, is uh, opened up and uh, the body's gone, you know. She had to seem like a crazy woman. Um, the disciples, they, they were they were surprised. They had no idea what was going on. So this is, you know, this is a big event. This is something that um, is surprising. It's shocking. And uh, there's all kinds of emotions going on here with the disciples, with Mary, uh, possibly Mary's mother, uh, Jesus' mother Mary is there also, and some other women you know, and some other men are there as well in this group when uh, Mary Magdalene tells Peter and John about this, um, the stone being rolled back. Now, I've titled this, or subtitled this uh, study today, Hope Restored. And I, I believe you'll see why I did that, okay, once once we get into it. Um, okay, anyway. These two men, Peter and John, no doubt thought that their best days were behind them. And really, what could top those three and a half years they spent with Jesus? But little did they know, the best was yet to come. Listen, maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're going through some things that you've never faced before. And you're not sure, you know, if you even have a future. Try reading these scriptures today in the light of what you are going through, and maybe you'll be able to see that God is leading you to the empty tomb, not to show you the ending, but a whole new 
beginning. Let me look at those scriptures. John chapter 20, verses 3 through 10, it starts out this way. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and that other disciple is John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. Life is filled with ups and downs. One, one week the birds are singing, the sun is shining, and you don't have a care in the world. The next, the birds are silent, it won't stop raining, and things are completely out of control. Come on, you've been there, right? I mean, you go to work, things are great one week, you know, and everything just seems like it's just clicking along and, you know, and you're getting along great with people and, you know, you just, life couldn't be better. And then the next week, the next week you go on Monday morning, you walk through the door and people are grouchy. Things seem to be breaking down. Your machines or your computer won't function correctly or, you know, whatever it may be that you're doing. And everything's just haywire. That's life. That's life. And, uh, you know, I don't care if you're young or old. You've got to learn to adjust to that. One of the things... Um, one of the things about living in the state of Wisconsin that I live in, one of the things that I hate, I hate, I, that's really a strong word, I strongly dislike, uh, I'd rather do without, is winter, okay? But I'm living in the wrong state if I don't like winter, right? I mean, there's ups and downs. We have a little bit of spring, we have some summer, and it gets pretty nice, and I like it when it gets warm, Um and then we have a little bit of fall, and then we have a whole lot of winter. It just seems like that to me. I, I know it probably, you know, it probably isn't as bad as I describe it, but it's ups and downs. That's life, and you got to learn to adjust to those things. Well, the disciples had a great run with Jesus. They had a great run for three and a half years. Things were great. He, he was doing miracles and life was good. They were popular because of him. You know, they were well known and he, of course, was well known. And, um, you know, things were just, you know, just great. But then everything abruptly came to an end when he was nailed to a cross. Now, the disciples have found themselves in limbo. They no longer have their master, <clears throat> their mentor, their teacher, their rabbi. He is no longer with them. 
the one they looked to, the one they followed, the one they obeyed, whatever he told them to do. Uh, he, you know, he's no longer with them. So they are like sheep without a shepherd, and sheep without a shepherd usually wander around aimlessly and and get into trouble. Um, so here we are in in uh, John chapter twenty, and and we find Peter and and John uh, have been told the news by Mary Magdalene, the body is missing. Okay. The body is missing. What are we going to do? It'd probably be fair to say that, you know, that these guys have have been dealing with a lot of things up to this point. I mean, emotionally. Okay. Emotionally, they're probably stopped. Uh, if you've ever been through a lot of emotional struggles, you know what I mean. It stops you. It, you you don't feel like functioning. You want to just you want to just close off yourself to the world. You want to lock everything out and you want to just hide away. It 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 really it stops you when you start be getting bogged down emotionally. And um, they're probably they're probably experiencing a lot of guilt, a lot of sorrow. You know, um, a lot of the stuff that's running through their minds and their hearts, and they're wrestling with it. Now, yes, they're men, okay? and, and But men have these emotions that they deal with, too. They just deal with them differently. I've been there, and I'm pretty sure you've been there. Maybe you've lost your job, and the money stopped flowing in, but the bills, they still keep coming. You've tried to find a job, but no one's calling you. It's not long till you start feeling depressed and useless and no one understands. You know, I mean, you you start feeling like I don't matter. Okay, or I'm not that important. Um, you know, and these are emotions and the enemy. I never I never mentioned him, but he also likes to throw in Things, you know, things to uh, add to your depression, things to add to your guilt, you know, and to bring you down more, okay? So you can just picture, if you can understand what I'm talking about here, if I'm, if I'm being uh, clear enough to you, um, this is what the disciples are feeling. This is what they are going through. So now to hear that the stone has been rolled away, and his body has been stolen, has kind of, you know, I believe it's kind of like the paddles, okay, when someone has, uh, you know, had a heart attack and they're out. This is kind of like that defibrillator, okay? They got those paddles stuck to them and they've been shocked because his body is gone, okay? So this brings them out of their stupor, okay, if you if you understand what I'm thinking about, or trying to say, I'm sorry, trying to say. So I think we can relate to Peter and John and the others who follow Jesus. This is a pivotal moment in their lives. Um, you know, every, after everything that has been told them, they're faced with a choice. Stay in the pit of their despair or go check out the grave. What would you do?
I can hear the the uh, super spiritual say, I would immediately drop everything and go to the grave. But they fail to consider thoughts of failure holding them back. Or maybe you're the type to consider all that has happened. Weigh out the pros and cons. And in spite of the results, you're going to the grave of your friend. I don't know. I don't know. Now, when I mention super spiritual, I, I'm not talking about everybody that's a Christian. I'm not. I'm just talking about those who were like me when I was first saved. I mean, I was just gung-ho, um, out of control, basically, uh, you know, how can I describe it? I was just, I don't know. I was just overbearing. That's a good word. I was very overbearing uh, in my Christian faith. And, you know, with what I felt and what I felt, I felt strongly. And so what I strongly felt, I told people about. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Super spiritual. Okay. I feel less super spiritual now. If you if you can get that. I, I feel less super spiritual. I'm older uh, maybe a little wiser. I'm not sure. Hopefully I'm more mature. Um, but you know, it's a growing process, right? All right. Anyway, so Peter and John, they go to the tomb. All right. Um, there is no explanation why it's just Peter and John. There are nine other disciples who follow Jesus. There are some women who also follow Jesus, um, there are others that weren't a part of the 12 who followed Jesus. But it just mentions Peter and John. Maybe something is happening inside these men. Not that they believe yet that he is risen, but maybe something is going on, and that's motivated them to get out of the house. They certainly won't find the answer staying where they are. I think that's a good clue for all of us, right? We certainly won't find the answer staying where we are. We need to get out and obey the Lord. Both men deserve credit for having the courage to run into enemy territory, not knowing what lay before them. The whole thing could have been a clever trap to catch the disciples. You know, the tomb is empty. Uh, this is a great way we can get the other followers of Jesus it could have been that, and that could have been running through their mind. But these two men, Peter and John, take off running for the tomb. It's all, it almost sounds like Peter and John uh, were the only ones. But verse 11 tells us that Mary went as well. Maybe, for whatever reason, she lingered behind the disciples. Maybe it was customary that women follow behind the men on the pathway. I, I don't know what the reasoning is, but, you know, as uh, I'll talk about uh, next week, you know, she was at, at the grave uh, after they had left. When was the last time you got excited about something? Example, this past Memorial Day weekend, my wife and I were in Kentucky to visit family. There was a strawberry festival taking place. Um, not that I have any interest in strawberries or the festival. I, I wasn't. But there was something going on at that festival that 
festival that I was very much interested in. They were giving helicopter rides. I had never been on a helicopter in my life, and I thought, whoa, this could be the opportunity, you know, that I've wanted. Uh, I've always wanted to go on a helicopter. I thought it'd be cool. A uh, helicopter and a balloon ride. I think a balloon ride would just be, you know, really cool. Uh, I've flown in planes, of course, as I uh, mentioned. I've been to Israel and uh, flown there, you know, and that's a 12-hour flight. But a helicopter, you know, that sounded great. So they had it. Two minutes for $25, five minutes for $35. I told my wife I wanted to go, and we started walking toward the rides. And as I was about, and as I was walking, I was about four feet in front of her walking toward the ride. I was like a little boy filled with excitement for my first helicopter ride, you know. And yes, it was everything I hoped it would be. I took the, the um, oh, the five-minute ride for $35. Um, I, I got to sit in the front with the pilot. No doors. We are buckled in. And uh, we had headset on. My wife sat in the back. She wanted doors. Uh, <laughs> and fortunately, she recorded it um, because uh, the guys that were taking pictures, apparently they did not turn out or something. And um, so I enjoyed my first helicopter ride. It was great. Hey, if you get a chance, go. You know, I mean, we were up there and flying and he was leaning, you know, and I just thought it was cool. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm the type of person that likes amusement rides anyway. So, anyway, maybe a spark of hope has ignited in the hearts of Peter and John. God does these kind of things. You know, just when you think you're going down for the last time, he makes something happen that brings a spark of hope to your heart. John outran Peter, it says. This had to be quite a sight. <laughs> okay, this running had to be quite a sight. They did not wear pants as men do today. They they wore long tunics, which made it difficult to run. So think of it. They, they were running with a robe on. So they had to hike up the tunic and hold it as they run. So it had to be quite a sight as these two men were running to the tomb. But this type of excitement or interest, I'm trying to look for the right word here, uh, this type of, um, well, I'm just going to stay with excitement, has uh, prompted them to forego their modesty, so to speak, of not showing their legs, to hike them, hiking up their uh, robes and heading for the tomb. They had to know what was going on. It was in their heart. It was in their mind. They had to know what's going on. Now, some believe that John was younger than Peter because he outran him. But it could simply mean that Peter was slower than John. I walk faster than some of my friends who are even younger than I am. But you see, but if you see see it as John being younger than Peter, I you know I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't think there's any you know any harm in that. He might have been younger than Peter. Um, some believe that he was. I don't know. Um, anyway, all right, let me talk a little bit about the fragility of hope. 
And um, the fragility of hope, it, it, it sounds like a strange word, so I even had to ask my daughter, does this sound right, the fragility of hope? And uh, so there had been a fragile hope that the, and uh, I'm kind of, you know, describing it here with a little definition. There had been a fragile hope that the economies of the industrial states were recovering, but then their currencies crashed. All right, so fragility, it's fragile. Okay, this hope, hope can be very fragile. All right, when I first saw my wife, she was giving a testimony of praise to the Lord in the church, thanking him for her new job. I asked her after the service if we could go out the following Friday. So we went to Burger King. I was a big spender, right? All right. There was a spark of hope born in me that night, but it was fragile. If I allowed fear to talk me out of seeing her, hope would have died. I had been disappointed before. It could be like, you know, all the other times. But though hope, but though the hope was that was in me was fragile, I ran with it to see what would happen. I'm so glad I did. We've been married for 31 years. John got to the tomb first, stooped to look in and saw the linen clothes lying there. This is what Jesus, uh, yeah, this is what Jesus was buried in. So think of it as his grave clothes were lying there. John did not go into the tomb. We can only speculate why. The whole thing had to seem bizarre. Because the first thing they see is that the tomb is open. Not an everyday occurrence. And when he looks into the tomb, he sees the grave clothes. Peter goes in. Peter, he gets there at the tomb. Yes, he might have got to the tomb last, but he rushed right in. You know, uh, good going, Peter. Well, you um, Say what you want about Peter and how he denied Jesus, but Peter... You know, he was like this. He was uh, ambitious, impetuous, uh, gung-ho. You know, remember, he was the only disciple to walk on water, Matthew 14, 29. So Peter also sees the grave clothes. But since he went into the tomb, he saw something else. He sees a face covering folded up in a place by itself. Now, you got to picture this. These two men had just lost their friend, okay, to uh, a barbaric um, crucifixion. And when they last saw him, he was just a bloody mess. And I, I, I you know, I, I'm just saying that as it is. He, he, he was just covered in blood. It was just... It was a disaster. I mean, it was something they could have never comprehended in their lives. And now they're here where his body was placed and it's gone. Okay. But his burial clothes are still there. His face wrapping. <coughs> okay. His, excuse me. His face wrapping is folded up and put in another place. So this is what they're seeing as they as they've stepped inside this tomb, and uh, wow, you know, I mean, it just something is strange here. Why 
would anyone take a body without the clothing? You know, why would anyone do do this and you know and and uh, not take the clothing with them? It's just it's just not you know thought of. It's it's, it's a bizarre scene. All right, I want to point out something here. It may be obvious, but what? But I want to do it anyway. If someone had stolen the body of Jesus, which many say happened, they would not have removed his body without the clothes. Okay, it's reasonable to think they would have taken the clothes, the clothed body out of the tomb. And I know I just said that, but I wanted to read what I'd written here. Um, sometimes I get ahead of myself. Forgive me. Okay, now bear with me and don't get ahead of the disciples. To them, something strange is going on here. Not only is a stone rolled away, but the body's missing. This had to cause some head scratching. The stone, this stone that was rolled away was not rolled away for Jesus, okay, to come out, but rather it was rolled away for all to come in and see the tomb is empty. Starting with Peter and John, this hope has sparked in their hearts, and it's fragile. What will they do with it? There's a lot of evidence here, but what does it mean? Hebrews 10.23 says this in the New Living Version. Let us hold on to the hope we say we have and not be changed. We can trust God that he will do what he promised. Can you relate to hope being fragile? You are looking for a job, as I mentioned earlier. Finally, someone calls, and they would like to talk to you. Nothing has been promised. No offers have been made. You hope everything will go well in the interview. Finally, I want to talk about the reward of hope. I talked about the spark of hope. I talked about the fragility of hope. And now I want to talk about the reward of hope. The question that has been going through their minds is, if he is not here, where is he? Since it's not reasonable to believe someone took his body without the grave clothes, now we want to rush the disciples and say, it's finally dawned on them. He's alive. But I don't know if they've got to that point yet. The scripture says that after they entered the tomb and saw the grave clothes, the face covering folded up and placed by itself, it says, and John believed. Believed what? There are two options. Believe someone had taken the body, be it a friend or foe, unlikely, as I stated before, or believe he is risen. Oh, that this one is true. This would be awesome. So there's probably two options going on. Something was starting to happen in their hearts. Though they could not put it all together, yet the hope that sparked in them was beginning to produce a great reward. Hope causes us to dream. It causes us to visualize a better existence than we now have. A happier life for us and the loved ones that we share our lives with. They say you can go weeks without food, days without water, but you can't live very long without hope. Hope was sparking in... Um, in, in me when I first heard the gospel 
that Jesus died for me. A worthless sinner. It was fragile because I knew I didn't deserve it. But it rewarded me when I pondered it or when I pondered that at the cross, you know, what he did for me at the cross. Hope rewarded me with faith, faith to believe he did it all for me. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, By faith, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. It says, Then the disciples went back home. You can be sure they had some deep conversations as they went home. Notice it did not say they ran home. This would indicate intense con- uh, this would indicate intense contemplation walking back. Remember they ran to the tomb, but they're walking back home now and they're contemplating what they had seen, what was going on. No surprise considering all that had went on that day. And this is just the beginning. Peter and John had seen a lot. They had seen an empty tomb. That's a lot. Because it says he's not there. My friend, he's not there. You can go there in Israel today. The tomb is empty. Now you can go to a lot of places and... You know, you can find the graves are filled. But this one is empty. Jesus is not there. He is risen. He's alive. And he loves you. He wants you to see the empty tomb. And he also wants you to see the risen Lord. Jesus is Lord over all of life. All right? Over all of life. And he loves you. And he wants you to be a part of his family. Next week, something happens at the grave. The best news ever. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, Believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.